This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumau. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you, everyone. Remember when we were on satellite radio, how I used to open the show every morning, uh, inspired by Congresswoman Maxine Waters. When she came on, make it plain one day early in the Trump administration and said, get ready for impeachment. Get ready for impeachment, she said. And he ended up being impeached twice. She was prophetic in that. She predicted it. And I used to open the show every day saying, God bless you. Good morning. Get woke. Get ready for impeachment. <laughs> and it, it, it's funny hearing it now. It was funny when we were saying it, but but not funny in terms of looking at what has happened and what has culminated in the January 6th committee's work. And I hope people are finally getting how serious January 6th was and that it was, in every sense of the word, a coup. There's really no other way to look at it. And so the January 6th hearings have kicked off on prime time television. The January 6th committee chair, Benny Thompson, got things going passionately. I'm Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6th, 2021 committee. I was born, raised, and still live in Bolton, Mississippi, a town with a population of 521, which is midway between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi, and the Mississippi River. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions of the insurrectionists on January 6, 2021. Chilling. I, I even had a friend say earlier that these folks are still fighting the Civil War, y'all. We think it's over, but, but they're still fighting it. Literally still fighting the Civil War. And, and that's, well, it, not only is it crazy, not only is it insane, not only is it scary, but it says something about us. And maybe what we don't get, what we don't understand, that the enemies of democracy, the enemies of black people, the enemies of harmony and peace, are still engaged in a civil war and we on TikTok. Maybe that's not, maybe we, we ain't as woke as we want to be or think we are or whatever. Maybe that's something to really, uh, really think about. And if we were really woke, they wouldn't dare think about giving us a Juneteenth holiday. They'd be scared to because they know we would understand 
what that really means. Juneteenth, we don't need to be celebrating Juneteenth. Juneteenth wasn't really a good thing. People in Texas found out about emancipation late, and we still have not resolved that and still don't have reparations. So if you say we're going to recognize Juneteenth, we not recognize Juneteenth, them folk might start a revolution. I'm just saying. So so when Benny opened with that, I, I thought it was quite compelling. And he also said this. Donald Trump had his days in court to challenge the results. He was within his rights to seek those judgment. In the United States, law-abiding citizens have those tools for pursuing justice. He lost in the courts, just as he did at the ballot box. And in this country, that's the end of the line. But for Donald Trump, that was only the beginning of what became a sprawling, multi-step conspiracy aimed at overturning the presidential election, aimed at throwing out the votes of millions of Americans, your votes, your voice in our democracy and replacing the will of the American people with his will to remain in power after his term ended. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy and ultimately Donald Trump, the President of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy subverting the vote what was the civil war about preventing vote preventing power preventing voting that's what slavery was about so you see that's the hard evidence that the civil war is is still raging that it is still going on now you may hear those words and think this is just another political attack on donald trump by people who don't like him that's not the case my colleagues and I all wanted an outside independent commission to investigate January 6th, similar to what we had after 9-11. But after first agreeing to the idea, Donald Trump's allies in Congress put a stop to it. Apparently, they don't want January 6th investigated at all. And in the last 17 months, Many of those same people have tried to whitewash what happened on January 6th to rewrite history, call it a tourist visit, label it legitimate political discourse. Donald Trump and his followers have adopted the words of the songwriter, do you believe me or your lying eyes? You're not supposed to have a member of Congress from Mississippi, who really hadn't had a, 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 well, I mean, the first members of Congress in Mississippi came after the Civil War who were black, first black members of Congress. You ain't supposed to have someone who really comes from a space that won a congressional seat as a result of the war against slavery prosecuting the president in the House of Representatives. I mean, just 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 that's just the the imagery of that. I I, I just want people, to, you know, I know we focus on Trump and the hearing and all that, but I just want people to think about that, what that means 
in terms of, you know, the kind of imagery that represents. It, was, it, it could never have been fathomed in the 1800s and 1865, 35 years before the 1900s. That's how close we are, y'all. Ain't, we ain't that far removed. Never could have been fathomed that a black man from Mississippi where they took away our right to vote, the last state to ratify the 13th Amendment would be standing in a hearing accusing a white president of staging a coup. Could never be even be considered, could never, either, could never be fathomed. And here we are. An investigator for the January 6th committee said during the hearing, primetime hearing, you wonderful, Fox didn't, Fox didn't cover the hearing. They didn't even air it. Can't deal with it. But an investigator with the committee says that, you know, when remember when Trump said for the Proud Boys to stand by during the presidential debate, it actually led to a spike in membership for the Proud Boys. My name is Marcus Childress, and I'm an investigative counsel for the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and right Proud Boys. Proud Boys. Stand back and stand by. Uh, after he made this comment, Enrique Terrio, then chairman of the Proud Boys, said on parlor, standing by, sir. During our investigation, we learned that this comment during the presidential debate actually led to an increase in membership from the Proud Boys. Would you say that Proud Boys numbers increased after the stand back, stand by comment? Exponentially. I'd say tripled, probably, with the potential for a lot more eventually. And did you ever sell any stand back and stand by merchandise? Uh, one of the vendors on my page actually beat me to it, but I wish I would have. I wish I would have made a stand back, stand by shirt. On December 19th, President Trump tweeted about the January 6th rally and told attendees, be there, we'll be wild. Many of the witnesses that we interviewed were inspired by the president's call and came to D.C. for January 6th. But the extremists, they took it a step further. They viewed this tweet as a call to arms. A day later, the Department of Justice describes how the Proud Boys created a chat called the Ministry of Self-Defense Leadership Chat. Uh, in this chat, the Proud Boys established a command structure in anticipation of coming back to D.C. on January 6th. The Department of Justice describes Mr. Tario coming into possession of a document called the 1776 Returns, which describes uh, individuals occupying key buildings around the United States Capitol. The January 6th investigator went on to describe how the Oath Keepers shored themselves up. President called us to the Capitol. He wants us to make it wild. The goal was for the Oath Keepers to be called to duty so that they could keep the president in power, although President Trump had just lost the election. The committee learned that the Oath Keepers set up quick reaction forces outside of the city in Virginia where they stored arms. The goal of these quick reaction forces was to be on standby just in case President Trump invoked the Insurrection Act. Did the Oath Keepers ever provide weapons to members? 
I'm going to decline to answer that on Fifth Amendment grounds for, for uh, and due process grounds. In footage obtained by the committee, we learned that on the night of January 5th, Enrique Tario and Stuart Rhodes met in a parking garage in Washington, D.C. There's mutual respect there. I think we're, we're fighting the same fight, and I think that's what's important. The committee learned that the Oath Keepers went into the Capitol through the east doors in two stack formations. The DOJ alleges that one of the stacks went into the Capitol looking for Speaker Pelosi, although they never found her. As the attack was unfolding, Mr. Tario took credit. In documents obtained by the Department of Justice, Mr. Tario said in an encrypted chat, make no mistake, and we did this. Later on that evening, Mr. Tario even posted a video which seemed to resemble him in front of the Capitol with a black cape. And the title of the video was Premonition. Now, this is, a lot of this is being seen for the first time as a result of Thursday night's hearing, which was on prime time. It aired prime time on television. That's pretty compelling stuff. And and the question becomes whether or not that's going to change. It may not change people's opinions or positions, but it hopefully will mobilize Democratic voters. We can only hope. One of the individuals central to seeing this through and getting this done is a Republican. The right wingers mess with the wrong Republican in Liz Cheney. At 6.01 p.m. on January 6th, after he spent hours watching a violent mob besiege, attack, and invade our capital, Donald Trump tweeted, but he did not condemn the attack. Instead, he justified it. These are the things and events that happen, he said, when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who've been badly and unfairly treated for so long. As you will see in the hearings to come, President Trump believed his supporters at the Capitol, and I quote, were doing what they should be doing. This is what he told his staff as they pleaded with him to call off the mob, to instruct his supporters to leave. Over a series of hearings in the coming weeks, you will hear testimony, live and on video, from more than half a dozen former White House staff in the Trump administration, all of whom were in the West Wing of the White House on January 6th. You will hear testimony that, quote, the president did not really want to put anything out calling off the riot or asking his supporters to leave. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. We're going to probably come back to Mike Pence, but I want to um, just also acknowledge some of the other things that Congresswoman Liz Cheney said, and you know who who's a, a fan of the Cheney family. <laughs> Her own father described himself as Darth Vader. 
But just a little, a few other things she said, and, and then we're going to come back to Mike Pence. Multiple members of two groups, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, have been charged with this crime for their involvement in the events leading up to and on January 6th. Some have pled guilty. The attack on our Capitol was not a spontaneous riot. Intelligence available before January 6th identified plans to, quote, invade the Capitol, occupy the Capitol, and take other steps to halt Congress's count of electoral votes that day. In our hearings to come, we will identify elements of those plans, and we will show specifically how a group of Proud Boys led a mob into the Capitol building on January 6th. This Multiple- is pretty, I mean, it's, it's compelling stuff. And people who, who aren't taking it in, I can't imagine what could be more interesting on Netflix. I mean, this is real life. If this were, uh, ep- these were episodes of House of Cards, then uh, <laughs> everybody would be watching it. I think everyone would agree. More from Representative Liz Cheney. In our investigation, we will present information about what the White House and other intelligence agencies knew and why the Capitol was not better prepared. But we will not lose sight of the fact that the Capitol Police did not cause the crowd to attack. And we will not blame the violence that day, violence provoked by Donald Trump on the officers who bravely defended all of us. In our final hearing, you will hear a moment-by-moment account of the hours-long attack from more than half a dozen White House staff, both live in the hearing room and via videotape testimony. There's no doubt that President Trump was well aware of the violence as it developed. White House staff urged President Trump to intervene and call off the mob. Here is a document written while the attack was underway by a member of the White House staff advising what the president needed to say, quote, anyone who entered the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately. This is exactly what his supporters on Capitol Hill and nationwide were urging the president to do. He would not. You will hear that leaders on Capitol Hill begged the president for help, including Republican leader McCarthy, who was, quote, scared and called multiple members of President Trump's family after he could not persuade the president himself. You, you will hear, you will hear, you will hear this, you will hear that. That's a miniseries. We are about to witness a, a miniseries. Folks, in prime time over the next several weeks. Up. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Representative Liz Cheney, Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob. That's a a Republican talking about another Republican who some she says he summoned the mob, assembled the mob and lit the flame of this attack. 
And then there were these, I mean, compelling. This is one that you may have heard before, but it was just powerful to see it Thursday night. Although certain former Trump officials have argued that they did not anticipate violence on January 6th, the evidence suggests otherwise. As you will see in our hearings, the White House was receiving specific reports in the days leading up to January 6th, including during President Trump's ellipse rally, indicating that elements in the crowd were preparing for violence at the Capitol. And on the evening of January 5th, the president's close advisor, Steve Bannon, said this on his podcast. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Just understand this. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Bannon, a professional seditionist. A professional seditionist. And of course, some of the most significant testimony to the committee we got a glimpse of Attorney General William Barr. I've had th- I had three discussions with the president that I can recall. One was on November 23rd, one was on December 1st, and one was on December 14th. And I've been through sort of the give and take of those discussions. And in that context, I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. Good to hear, compelling to hear, but disingenuous, because remember now, it was Attorney General William Barr that shut down the Mueller investigation. You know, people do what's convenient for them when it's convenient for them to do it. And I guess people's daughters do the same thing. The committee also gave us a glimpse, the January 6th committee, a glimpse at Ivanka Trump's testimony. Lord have mercy. Perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement. It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, So I accepted what he said was saying perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement. It wow. affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Want to hear that again? Um, so I accepted what he said was saying. She's talking about her own father, y'all. She accepted what Attorney General, but what you just heard. She said she respected what the attorney general said, that it was BS. White House counsel, Pat Cipollone was threatening to resign. We saw some of Jared Kushner's testimony as well Thursday and Thursday night primetime. And what he thought about the White House counsel and how he felt his promises to resign were just examples of him whining. This is a clip of Jared Kushner, 
addressing multiple threats by White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his team of lawyers to resign in the weeks before January 6th. Jared, uh, are you aware of um, instances where uh, Pat Cipollone threatened to resign? I, I kind of, uh, like I said, my interest at that time was on trying to get as many pardons done. Uh, and I know that, you know, he was always, him and the team were always saying, oh, we're going to resign. We're not going to be here if this happens, if that happens. So I kind of took it up to just be whining, to be honest with you. I can't wait to hear the rest of Jared Kushner's testimony and <laughs> the rest of Ivanka Trump's testimony, his own children. You know, they, they got the rest of their lives to leave, maybe if they're not if they're not locked up. And then the threats to the vice president's own life and health and safety. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. That's the, pres that's the president of the United States talking about his own vice president. The president of the United States is saying that maybe Mike Pence deserves it. So Trump sent out a tweet. One of the demonstrators, and this was also exposed in the hearing was was reading Trump's tweet against Pence, attacking Pence during the demonstration, during the insurrection. And the crowd starts chanting, hang Mike Pence. Without objection, the chair declares the house in recess pursuant to clause. This is what happened live on the scene. Reading the tweet. I want to just I want to go back because I want people he's reading the tweet. This was a tweet from Trump. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. Certify. Look, he's reading this, and I want you to listen to, to the crowd as he's reading it, please. And our Constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify. U.S. demands the truth. Bring out Pence. Bring out down the doors, overrunning the interior, the rotunda. 
looking for Mike Pence. Breaching the Capitol crypt. That's a U.S. Capitol Police officer saying we can't hold this. <laughs> Grabbing, assaulting U.S. Capitol Police officers, law enforcement. This is the same party that says back to blue. Area for the house members. They're all walking over now through the tunnels. That's what. That's the dramatic. imagery that if you watched Thursday night you saw it unbelievable also there was the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley And we got a glimpse of his testimony as well. Trump didn't do anything, but it was Pence that ordered the military and the National Guard. The president's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who Attorney General Merrick Garland has also decided not to prosecute. <clears throat> but let me be fair. He, Meadows may be cooperating, so we don't know that yet. So I'll, let me just be nice. But here's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Um, General Mark Milley. So with two, uh, two or three calls with Vice President Pence, he was very animated, and he issued very explicit, uh, very direct, unambiguous orders. There was no question about that. And, and, he was, and, and, and I can get you the exact quotes, I guess, from some of our records somewhere, but he was very animated, very direct, very firm uh, and to Secretary Milley. Get the military down here, get the guard down here, put down this uh, situation, uh, etc. By contrast, here is General Milley's description of his conversation with President Trump's Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, on January 6th. He said, um, we, have, we have to kill the narrative that the Vice President is making all the decisions. Uh, we need to establish the narrative that um, you know that the president is still in charge and that things are steady or stable or what's that thing. I immediately interpret that as politics, politics, politics. Uh, red flag for me personally, no action. But I remember it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is when have we when have we ever heard in the history of America a president. I'm sorry, a joint chiefs, the head of the military talking about conversations with the White House in this way. This is this is Watergate stuff. I mean, this is epic. This is Saturday massacre kind of stuff. But unfortunately, in this country, when once something happens the first time, when it happens the second time, it's like some of the shine is off of it. It's not quite the same. It doesn't mean the same. And then the U.S. Capitol Police officers. And what they went through 
Capitol Police Officer Carolyn Edwards. I had been called names before, but never had my patriotism or duty been called into question. I, who got up every day, no matter how early the hour or how late I got in the night before, to put on my uniform and to protect America's symbol of democracy. I, who spent countless hours in the baking sun and freezing snow to make sure that America's elected officials were able to do their job. I, whose literal blood, sweat, and tears were shed that day defending the building that I spent countless holidays and weekends working in. I am the proud granddaughter of a Marine that fought in the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir in the Korean War. I think of my papa often in these days, how he was so young and thrown into a battle he never saw coming, and answered the call at a great personal cost. How he lived the rest of his days with bullets and shrapnel in his legs, but never once complained about his sacrifice. I would like to think that he would be proud of me. Proud of his granddaughter that stood her ground that day and continued fighting, even though she was wounded, like he did many years ago. I am my grandfather's granddaughter, proud to put on a uniform and serve my country. They dared to question my honor. They dared to question my loyalty. And they dared to question my duty. I am a proud American, and I will gladly sacrifice everything to make sure that the America my grandfather defended is here for many years to come. Wow. A veteran. What do we really think of veterans? A bit more of Officer Edwards' testimony. I, what I saw was just a, a war scene. It, it was something like I had seen out of the movies. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground, um, you know, they were bleeding, they were throwing up, they were, you know, they had, uh, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Um, you know, I, I was catching people as they fell, I, you know, I was, it was carnage, it was chaos. I, I, can't, e I can't even describe what I saw. I, never in my wildest dreams did I think that as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer, I would find myself in the middle of a battle. You know, I, I'm, I'm trained to detain you know, a couple of subjects and, and handle, you know, handle a crowd, but I, I'm, I'm not combat trained. And mm. that day, it was just hours of hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's, I, a, that's a U.S. Capitol Police officer describing her harrowing experience. Yeah, you know what? I'm, what I'm this is real life minutes, but you, this is going to be a movie. I think we all know that. I think that we all know that that's what's what's going to happen. It has to be. Video was shared even of Mike Pence acquitting himself. We will focus on President Trump's efforts to pressure Vice President Mike Pence 
to refuse to count electoral votes on January 6th. Vice President Pence has spoken publicly about this. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. What President Trump demanded that Mike Pence do wasn't just wrong. It was illegal and it was unconstitutional. You will hear this in great detail from the vice president's former general counsel. Witnesses in these hearings will explain how the former vice president and his staff informed President Trump over and over again that what he was pressuring Mike Pence to do was illegal. As you will hear, President Trump engaged in a relentless effort to pressure Pence, both in private and in public. You will see the evidence of that pressure from multiple witnesses, live and on video. Mike Pence now saying that even he knew what he was being asked to do was wrong. And at least, I mean, that's that's what what else can you ask for? What else what what else do you need? To, to convince anyone what this really is. Liz Cheney. I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. Now, I listen, say- look, you realize what it takes to say that to, to your fellow Republicans? I guess you can say that if you're Darth Vader's daughter, right? And then she said there will come a day when Donald Trump is gone. Ugh, what's that mean? <laughs> what does she mean? <laughs> Prison, something else. This is Darth Vader's daughter. Benny Thompson. The witness have just told us what they heard the rioters saying, why they stormed the Capitol on that day. Now we're going to hear it from the rioters themselves. Without objection, I include in the record a video presentation. What really made me want to come was the fact that you know, I had supported Trump all that time. Uh, I did believe, you know, that the election was being stolen. Um, and Trump asked us to come. He personally asked for us to come to D.C. that day. And I thought, for everything he's done for us, if this is the only thing he's going to ask of me, I'll do it. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Did you call President Trump mentioning going to the Capitol during his speech? Oh, yeah. So that's one of my disappointments. He said he was going to go and go with us, that he was going to be there. I know why I was there, and that's because he called me there and he laid out what is happening in our government. He laid it out. But I remember Donald Trump telling people to be there, right? I mean, to support. So you mentioned that, pre- that the president asked you. Uh, do you remember a specific message? Basically, yeah, he asked uh, for us to come to D.C., that big things are going to happen. What got me interested, he said, I have something very uh, important to say on January 6th or something like that. Is what got, what, what, what got me interested to be there. You know, Trump has only asked me for two things. He asked me for my vote and he asked me to come on January 6th. 
There's more to come. This is prime time. This is a developing drama. And if you aren't fixated, just think about it. This is a drama. This is a miniseries that's for free. You got to pay for Netflix. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.